Welcome to Shortcut to Slim, a research-based podcast on dieting and nutrition brought to you by GetMealPlans.com. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon, and in this episode, we're learning what you have to do to get control and change your behavior. And I promise this is new. It's not what you think, and it requires absolutely no willpower or no self-discipline. Why it is that even when we know what we need to do, we still don't do it and what we can do about that. Plus, I'll explain why diet and exercise works for some people, but not everyone, and why we fall off the wagon on the weekend or even after a few weeks of proper performance. And again, I promise it's not why you think. In the off season, I continued my personal obsession with productivity as it relates to work performance. Inside that rabbit hole, I found a TEDx talk with Dr. Alan Watkins called Being Brilliant Every Single Day, and I was surprised by how much his neuroscience research on better job performance applied to weight loss. And this makes sense when you think about it. Both job performance and weight loss are measured by results, and in order to get those results, things have to change. And it's that changing, the changing of human behavior, that makes it so challenging. Watkins starts his talk with this example. You get a performance praise at work. The boss comes in and says, hey, look, you've been doing these things super well, and you've been doing these things not so super well. So a little less of that, please, and a little bit more of that other stuff, okay? Dr. Watkins points out that sometimes this strategy works and you get a different result, but an awful lot of time it doesn't make much difference. Or it will only make a difference if the boss stands over the employee cracking the whip, making sure they did it. Which when I heard that, I immediately thought of this other popular internet meme that says, I don't need a personal trainer so much as I need someone to follow me around and slap the unhealthy foods out of my hand. It's actually a really funny meme and I include it in the show notes. But going back to what Watkins previously said, we basically give ourselves the same sort of performance appraisal when it comes to our diet and weight loss. We say to ourselves, you've been eating more whole foods, super good job there, Lindsay, but um, a little less ice cream and Taco Bell and a little more going to the gym, okay? Raise your hand if you've done this. Okay, I'm even raising my hand. Sometimes this works. In fact, isn't this the very basis behind every single inspiring weight loss story we see on the internet? Someone loses 70 or 100 pounds, which is incredible, and they attribute it to a better diet and more exercise. But then, an awful lot of the time, for most of us, it doesn't seem to make much of a difference. Giving up ice cream or going to the gym three times a week doesn't make much of a difference. And there's a lot of data on this. There's tons of studies now that show diets and joining a gym actually causes people to gain weight. See a lot of the episodes from season one. And then there's those pseudo celebrities like that Joe Juice guy or um, Chris Carr who were sick people, but then they got better with a change to their diet. And they say things like, I needed a radical lifestyle change. And that's not untrue. And they did change their life pretty radically, but there was more to it than that. I mean, there has to be, otherwise, why are we all failing? Starting a new diet or joining a gym is a lot like thinking you'd close more sales at work if you would just switch to a blue pin from a black pin, or if you bought some special app. And those things may help in some modest way, but it ultimately comes down to you. You've got to close that sale. You have to do something different, change your pitch, make more calls, whatever, go to some, I don't know, conference. It's not the ink pen. The ink pen isn't going to close the sale by itself. You have to perform better with the ink pen. And that is where the challenge is, actually changing your behavior. This was Watkins' next point. He says, even when people know what to do, sometimes they just don't do it. Isn't that the harsh truth? We all intuitively know what healthy is. 
We know that an apple is better for us than potato chips, but mm, we still pick the bag of potato chips. Watkins gives the example of an employee who thinks, mm, I know I should make another 10 sales calls, but it's Friday afternoon, so mm, I'm not gonna do it. I'll get it done on Monday. How often have we done similar things like that with our diet? I know. Anyway, Watkins believes it's not enough to just look at the behaviors. You've got to get to grips with what's on the inside of individuals. And that's the theme of this whole season. It's not what you eat, it's why. Why do people do what they do? If you really want to change your performance permanently, you have to understand what is driving the behavior. Surprisingly, what drives your behavior is actually how you think. How you think determines what you do. So to figure that out, you have to ask questions, which is a lot more complicated than observing behavior and passing out a report card. It's also a lot more uncomfortable. But if you don't make an effort to understand and deal with a problem or solution, you won't get sustainable change in the results, and any results you initially see won't last. You'll get this up and down variance in performance. Wait, did Watkins just blow your mind up too? Let me play that back in slow-mo. We basically give ourselves performance appraisal. You're doing this good and this not so good, so less of this and more of that. Two, sometimes this works and we get a different result, but three, an awful lot of time, it doesn't make much of a difference because four, even when people know what to do, sometimes they just don't do it. That's why five, it's not enough to just look at the behaviors. You've got to make an effort to understand what is going on the inside of an individual because six, how you think determines what you do. So seven, if you don't make an effort to understand and ask some more detailed questions, you won't get sustainable change in results and eight, the results won't last. I know, that's a whole lot of information. Skip back 30 seconds or so and listen a few more times. Quoting Watkins, if you don't get a grips and ask some more detailed questions, you won't get sustainable change in the results and the results won't last. You'll get this variance in performance. Enter every yo-yo dieter and weight loss warrior that lost the weight and gained it back, lost, gained, lost, gained, lost, gained. I'm raising my hand. This also echoes and reiterates what I say at the start of every Slim Team and on this podcast, which is that if you take nothing else away from me, know this. Whatever it takes to lose weight is what it takes to keep it off. I'm gonna say that one more time. Whatever it takes to lose weight is what it takes to keep it off. And you can bet your last dollar that your mindset plays a huge part in this. But Watkins says there's something still deeper, more fundamental. That yes, how you think drives behavior, but how you feel drives your thinking. How you think is hugely influenced by how you feel. That means if you want to change what you do, you have to change what you're thinking. Good news, I'm going to help with all that this season. Most of us, and I'm included in this group, think what they think, do what they do, with zero awareness to their feelings, emotions, and physiology. The basement of the human system, as Watkins calls it. To be brilliant every day, Watkins says you have to not just be aware of your feelings, emotions, and physiology, you have to get control of them. But that most of us do not have control at that level, which is why we aren't performing the way we want, and why we aren't behaving the way we want since we just learned performance is driven by behavior. 
I know. This idea is very difficult to accept. I'm going to admit that. I'm even going to admit I struggled with it and will probably listen to my very own episode 10 times. Anything that challenges what you believe makes you feel unsafe. Even if what you believe is wrong, it makes you feel safe because it's familiar. The pain you know. This is why we need a great deal of courage to challenge our own beliefs because we feel blame and guilt and shame when we go against what we believe or what we accepted. But I can't, I have to admit this. The more I would fight and try to have it my way, the worse the matter got. I wasted so much time bargaining or in denial, not willing to accept certain realities like, oh, hey, it's not all you can eat. Vegetables don't have magic calories that don't count. Resentment then leads to retaliation, often in a form of more self-abuse and suffering. But I totally, I totally get it. I want the simple solution of diet and exercise too, and not the more complicated and messy solution of asking questions and going inside myself. But then let's be real. How far has measuring your technical performance brought you toward the results you wanted? Has that report card strategy worked? Has it really worked? Maybe instead of wishing for more self-discipline or seeking additional willpower, we follow Watkins and change how we feel, change how we think, so we change our behaviors without suffering, without the blood, sweat, and tears. So I'm going in, all in. Watkins is right. That is the real control. You can't fully control your behaviors and be brilliant every day if your feelings, emotions, and physiology are completely out of control or ignored. Behavior is a symptom. If you want to change your behavior, you've got to get down to the causes and the conditions. If you're still not convinced, consider this. Even when people have been highly trained on regulating their behavior, they still not have control over their feelings, emotions, physiology, which means they don't really have control. That means if any sort of roadblock comes between them and how they regulate their behavior, if something upsets their routine, they lose control with air quotes. Did that just blow up your mind? Me too. Now you understand why the weekends are so hard. Ultimately, all the trained good behaviors in the world will not get you as far as changing your thoughts which drive your behaviors. And that's definitely my story. I have implemented all kinds of behavior modifications like meal planning and not bringing peanut butter into the house or intermittent fasting, and they definitely help. But they don't work on their own or even together without the mental component. You need that mental backing and mindset, which is why I'm spending the entire season on neuroscience and psychology. Plus, it leads really nicely into gut bugs, which I'll finally get to in season three. So what can you take away from all this? First, when it comes to change, you shouldn't focus on your current performance or use it as a measuring stick for determining what you need to do to get results. In fact, it's universally unhelpful to emphasize and primarily focus on technical performance, whether it's your jump shot, working out, or not eating potato chips. It's not that regulating your behavior isn't helpful. It is. It's just that it doesn't make much of a difference or it doesn't stick because you have a false sense of control. There are better ways to double down and use that energy for a bigger payoff, and that's what I want to focus on. Sort of like how you'll get more return if you skip the gym and spend an hour cooking a few meals for yourself because even one intense workout won't cancel out the calories of eating at once, let alone all week. Second, if you want to change your behavior, you have to change your thinking, and how you think is hugely influenced by how you feel. Circling back to those inspiring before and after people, 
It wasn't simply that they had a radical life change as they claimed. Yes, they radically changed their life, but it started first with radically changing their mindset, how they thought, how they talked to themselves. Admittedly, this mental stuff is super uncomfortable. And I'm not going to tell you to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'm actually going to say the opposite. Seek discomfort. Discomfort is good. Discomfort is a sign of change. If you're discomforted, that means you're changing. Comfortable means you probably aren't. We spend our modern lives avoiding discomfort. We look for the softest mattress, the plushest pillow. We have to get the shower temperature just right, and we're obsessed with air conditioning. We also don't go to the gym because there's nothing comfortable about the Stairmaster and we get out of a yoga pose because it's so uncomfortable to squat like a crouching tiger hidden dragon. And then too, a lot of us, we don't cook because we're not comfortable in the kitchen. We're unsure of ourselves or let's be real, it's a lot more comfortable to Netflix and chill on the couch. But then how comfortable is all that extra fat? Avoiding uncomfortable keeps you from reaching your full potential. And the same can be said for inconvenience. So choose the inconvenience, choose the discomfort that serves you and supports you best. You have to do things differently to get different results. But it's amazing how often we forget this simple truth. So how can you get started right now today? Start seeing yourself as already healthy, even when you still have body fat you want to lose. This is arguably the single most impactful action you can take towards improving your health and making weight loss actually happen. When you change your mindset, those feelings and thoughts, your hand-to-mouth action will change too. I'm going to really dig into the science and psychology behind this in the next few episodes, but I'll close now with my own anecdotal experience. My self-worth dramatically improved when I started seeing myself as healthy. And the more I saw myself as healthy already, even though I still had body fat I wanted to release, the more healthy and thin I actually became because I behaved in accordance with how I saw myself. I was my identity. I was a healthy person. Maybe most importantly, I was a whole lot happier when I saw myself as healthy already. And when you're happy, you don't self-abuse as much. Better choices beget better choices, and kindness leads to kindness. I've never met anyone who said, you know, I'm sorry I was nice to myself today. You can't take care of a thing you hate. You've been listening to Shortcut to Slim. Download your free research-based seven-day meal plan at GetMealPlans.com and leave the guesswork and science to me. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. And if you found this podcast helpful, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps.